Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Tuesday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harris here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. It was certainly an eventful day for our markets today as we got the latest consumer price index data today, the inflation data. And initially, it looked like our markets wanted to rally on the news. The higher than expected number, a lot of people looking for peak inflation. But those hopes were short-lived today as we got a weak finish. Really, after the strong open, it was off to the races lower on the day to finish near the lows of the day for our major indexes. And I will dive into that here more in a minute. But first, let's take a look at these CPI numbers as they did come in hot again, about as expected though, really not much over what was expected. But we all know this is a highly, highly manipulated number. So take from this what you will. Well, we got what we got 1.2% month over month increase in inflation and eight and a half percent year over year, the highest levels in decades, folks. But if you dive into the numbers, tell me if this sounds like eight and a half percent inflation to you. Now, these are some of the bigger one, bigger ones here, but all accurate. You have gas prices up 52 percent, groceries up 10 percent, the highest since 1981 with Ground beef up almost 14%, bacon up 18%, eggs up 11%. You also have electricity up 11%, the biggest since 2006. But the biggest one that really (laughs) seems manipulated to me was rent. They have rent posted as being up 5.1% year over year. That must have been brought down a lot by many smaller towns. And this is one of the ones where they should probably actually change the way they calculate this data. Because take a look at some of, just a few of the larger cities. And some of these aren't even massive cities. But you have, of course, California, many California cities on this. Long Beach, California, up 56%. Amarillo, Texas. Not one of the largest cities in Texas, but rents are up 46.6%. Here in Austin, Texas, where I am, nearly 37%. Been hearing a lot of that for people trying to move here in Austin, Texas, as well as Houston and Dallas, too. Salt Lake City, up 43%. Little Rock, Arkansas, up 45%. That's just naming a few. Uh, I mean, if you look at this list of about 40 cities, you have to wonder how can they calculate that at just 5%, just over Five percent, But just taking a look at those few numbers there, we can all tell and we can all see in our day-to-day lives that inflation is much higher than eight and a half percent. And really, we've talked about this here a good amount. Kip has as well, for sure. But it really is a scam the way that they've changed these calculations over the years. One, to fit their narrative and two, to fit their needs. But every year, economists make changes to how they calculate these numbers. So it is almost looks almost nothing like it did 20, 30, 40 years ago. And one of the big reasons why is that CPI is tied to Social Security benefits. So you can see exactly why they would want to manipulate this data. That's just a surface level reason. 
as to why. Um, but according to shadow stats, have you calculated CPI closer to how they did in the 80s? Then the CPI estimate is closer to 17.15%. Now that sounds a little bit more accurate, maybe even still on the low side, but that would be the steepest inflation since June of 1947. But if you want, you know, a real example of what inflation is probably closer to, I saw somebody say this earlier and it's kind of funny to think about it in this way in an aggravating kind of way though that you have to look at what congress just did giving their members a pay raise of 21 percent now of course they get to vote on this themselves we get no say in this so yeah you know go ahead and give these people that have the lowest approval rating in i think congressional history a 21 percent raise yeah that's what we all wanted uh, but yeah, 21% sounds a lot closer to keeping up with inflation than when you have wages growing at 6, 7, 8% or less, but Congress gets a 21% increase. So just uh, take that one, that one home with you, file that away. Uh, but of course, all you get today from the mainstream media, at least most of it, not, not necessarily all of it on this one, but the Putinflation story. I mean, what another scam that is because if you look at the chart of the inflation data you have to remember that the russia ukraine conflict just started less than two months ago so we were already on this trajectory if you see a chart of how inflation increased zero hedge had a chart out today showing this that before and after the russia ukraine conflict started you can see just how inflation numbers have been stair-stepping almost perfectly higher since October of last year. But yeah, what's happened in the last month and a half, blame it all on Putin, of course. Uh, but it really, it did begin earlier last year, uh, about in April of 2021 is when it began to really ramp up, stalled at about 5% for about five months. And then in October is when things really started to get ugly. So yes, we can call this Biden inflation and not Putin inflation. But in all honesty, when you look at what we've done to our economy over the last two years since coronavirus insanity started, I think that Trump would have had a similar problem if he were still in office right now. I do think that inflation levels would be lower than they would be under Biden for a number of reasons, but they still would have been a problem. But I'm not blaming Trump for that specifically. These are the consequences of shutting down the largest economy in the world, the consequences of adding trillions of dollars to the money supply, really, it is the Federal Reserve's problem here. Remember, just over a year and a half ago or so, Jay Powell was on 60 Minutes, maybe a little longer than that, when he said, he was asked the question, so did you just flood the system with money? He said, yeah, you could say it like that. He went on to say that they just did it digitally as well, just digitally printing dollars. So again, I don't think that it would have been uh, as bad under Trump, but this still would have been a problem that we had to deal with. Now, I think that many of you would agree that it's been made worse by Biden's policies, bringing back regulations into many industries from manufacturers to farmers 
to oil and gas producers and others. But at the end of the day, this is going to be a problem either way. And of course, adding regulation onto that only has made the problem worse. And at the end of the day, we just can't get to the midterms fast enough here. Gibson talked about this a lot, especially lately. But until the midterms, we have to find a way to limit this intentional destruction and beyond that as well. Time to get these people out of office. Make no mistake about it. We see this, what is happening to our country right now as a purposeful destruction, really to weaken individuals. You make individuals dependent on the government, then that is how you get the Chinification of the United States. You bring in communism, you bring in socialism because people can't make ends meet on their own. Uh, and that's usually no fault of their own. It's a government driven crisis that causes that. The more you look back on history, the more clear that becomes. But all of that being said, let's dive into our market action on the day to day. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the market seemed to shrug off the inflation news early on in the session. But once we started heading lower, it did not stop. We're finished with three out of our four major indexes negative on the day. Small caps were able to finish positive up just over three tenths of 1% to 1,986. We were followed there down on the day. The Dow was down about a quarter of a percent to 34,220. Next up, the NASDAQ down three tenths of 1% to 13,371. And lastly, the S&P down 0.34% to 4,397. Next up, looking at our internals on the day, this has actually been an area where we have seen better readings lately. Now, they were better earlier in the session. We had positive internals early on, but as the market turned lower, so did the internals. Advancing stocks did beat out declining stocks on the NYSE, but came back negative for the NASDAQ. New 52-week highs and lows came in weak here as well. But we have seen some improvement from this metric over the last two weeks. We got some positive numbers last week and the week before, just barely positive, but we'll take it. But we still had now 20 weeks in a row of more new lows than more new highs. We've been talking about an under the surface bear market here for some time now. Uh, and this is a great example of that 20 weeks in a row of more new highs, more new lows than new highs. That's the highest level of new lows since the financial crisis, even worse than coronavirus insanity. Now, when I say bear market under the surface, if you've been tuning in with us here for some time, you know that we've been saying that this has all the feeling of a bear market, but it really has been a bifurcated market. If you've been in the right sectors, you've been in the right names, uh, then you're doing well. It, such as energy stocks or mining stocks, utilities, healthcare. But a lot of people, especially over the last few years, have tended to be more on the growth side. And it really has been a bear market for growth investors, technology investors, internet names. Uh, but that's why we've talked about here so much, why we love precious metals, we love the miners, we love energy, continue to love them here. And when the time comes, we see an amazing buying opportunity approaching here in the tech sector for a big turnaround, big move higher. Uh, tech bull markets are always the most exciting to be a part of. So we want to see that here as well. 
Lastly, volume came in negative for both the NYSE and the NASDAQ. But again, overall, these aren't bad numbers on a day like today. And we have continued to see improvement in the internals. So we want to see that continue from here. Looking at our sectors on the day today, we finished with four out of our 11 S&P 500 sectors higher on the day. Those were mostly the ones I mentioned earlier, energy, utilities, consumer discretionary, and materials. Then our laggards on the day, financials, were the worst performing sector. Interesting timing here as the banks kick off Q1 earnings season tomorrow. We really started kicking into high gear next week, but tomorrow we've got JP Morgan and BlackRock and a few other financial names coming on Friday or later in the week as well, excuse me. Uh, but to see the financials leading the way lower today makes us wonder if we're going to see weaker than expected numbers from earnings tomorrow. We'll have to wait and see. But today the banking index BKX, BKX got another step closer to a 52-week low today. Uh, we'd love to see a bottom form around these levels. And if we happen to get back to the March 14 lows in our major indexes, we'd be using those as a buying opportunity, folks. Uh, that is the way that we see it here. Next up after that, we're healthcare, communication services, and technology. We are still in what has been the worst two-week performing performance from the semis in the last 10 years. So we want to see that turn around here as well. Not a great day for the semis here though today. Finally for today, our VRA commodity watch, precious metals having a strong day today. Uh, makes sense off the backs of this high inflation print. But as we've been saying for some time, this is the exact environment that you want to own precious metals and the miners in. And while we haven't quite gotten the breakout that we've been looking for in gold, still have some work to do to get back to its highs from earlier this year, just over 2000. But we have seen it in the miners. GDX, the gold miner ETF, hit a fresh 52-week high earlier today. Still finished up on the day, but just off of the highs. And then also in the S&P metals and mining ETF, we're right at 52-week highs now as well. So this is a group we continue to remain extremely bullish on gold having a strong day today up roughly 1% now to 1967 an ounce silver also having a strong day today up big 2.47% to $25.60 an ounce copper now 1.3% to $4.69 a pound and oil back to $100 a barrel today up a big 6.8% to $100.70 since a barrel and finally for today cryptos are not doing so well with the inflation print seeing a lot of red in cryptocurrencies today but bitcoin now down 1.37 percent uh and below forty thousand dollars of bitcoin again here at thirty nine thousand four hundred and fifteen a bitcoin folks that's all that we have time for here today please be sure to subscribe to receive our vra podcast every day at the market close you can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.